Good morning. Uh, <laughs> first of all, my Bible's upside down. Second of all, uh, it's good to see you. <laughs> I've been gone for about a month, uh, working a lot. Oh. Hi, I'm Jared. Uh, I need washed in the Word as much, if not more, than you, but uh, the Lord's given me the opportunity to to wash you guys with words. So if you'll join me, we're in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to read the whole chapter so Jackie can preach on two verses. But, uh, but I'm a good reader, so I try to be. <clears throat> if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Sorry. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, I apologize. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God that the Father through Him. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, changing thoughts very abruptly. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, where did my children go? (laughs) Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything. Those who are your earthly masters... 
not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Join me as we pray. Father God, I praise your great name. I praise your glory. I praise your sovereignty. I thank you for this day that, uh, that we have. As windy and cold as it may be, Lord, uh, you know, some of us like the cold. So I praise you for it. I praise you for the opportunity that we have to come together as one body, as one mind, as one voice. And I just pray that we would recognize that one voice, Lord. I would pray that we would recognize that we are one body with our differences, with our knuckleheadedness, that we're one in you. I pray that our position is in you, that we recognize that. That apart from you, we are nothing but chaff to be blown in the wind, to be burned in the fire, Lord. So I just pray that your word would do something. That it would bring us together. That we would be a voice that is heard through the land, Lord. As it all falls apart around us. No matter how much we try to keep our own little world organized and happy and joyful. Everything's falling down around us. And we can put blinders on. We can put a blindfold on, Lord. And we're just snuffing you out. The light that you've put in us, the glory that you've given us to share with the community around us, Lord. Why do we not speak out? Why do we not speak out, Lord, in your name? Why are we afraid? Why do we doubt? There's nothing else in this world to hold on to, Lord. You have told us in your word it burns. Poof. It's gone in an instant. And what do we have to hold on to then? The stuff, the status. So I just pray that you would give us humbleness, give us meekness to deal with one another. That you would give us eyes to see those that you want us to speak to, to encourage, to love on, Lord. We all need it. No matter how big and strong we are, no matter how thick our turtle shell is, We need encouragement too, Lord. And I just pray that you would do a work in these hearts. You would do a work in the hearts that are watching and listening. That we would stand up for you, Lord. That we would no longer sit on the sidelines and watch the world tear itself apart, Lord. That even if it continues to tear itself apart, we've still stood up and done what you've called us to do. To be one body. To love one another. To be humble in all that we do. So I just lift up this morning. I pray that your spirit would move, Lord. I pray that Jackie would give wisdom that's needed. That he would give encouragement that's needed, Lord. As a tool piece that you've called him to be. That he stands up to that call. And though he may have a status of pastor, preacher. That he's a man just like the rest of us. And he needs encouragement too. So I pray that you would give him a word of encouragement. That you give his wife a word of encouragement, Lord. That you would... Continue to strengthen them and continue to move amongst them, Lord. I 
Give it all to you. Your power and your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. turn the water off gosh I never trained you on that oh oh therein lies our study for today so today we want to talk about the idea of being surrendered to Christ now a lot of people use a phrase being committed to Christ and I don't like commit Committed. I don't like commitment. I like surrender. Commitment is like you're doing me a favor. And surrender is you're just laying it all down. And when we're talking about the Lord, I think that's a lot better attitude to have. Surrender rather than commit. Are you committed to the Lord? Well, that's nice. But are you surrendered to the Lord? Because... And that sounds so much better to me. And when we think about being surrendered to the Lord, in the ancient world they had household codes. And uh, the scriptures list out the household codes codes in three different places. Peter and Paul. Paul does it twice. Peter does it once. And, and they were not uncommon in their, in their time. It was something that was shared often. But the reason for the household code was different. The household code was, how are we supposed to really live? How does this happen? And then somebody would say, well, why should we do it this way? And they would say, because it's fitting. But Paul's going to give us a better reason. Paul's reason is going to be because it's fitting in the Lord. Because this is, this is how we surrender to him. And one of the ways that we can very practically see it. And we all would love to see God move in miraculous ways in our time. And, and perhaps even be used in miraculous ways. Preach incredible messages. See people flock to the Lord right and left. But the bottom line is the truth of our Christianity is at home. Not on the street. And trust me if it's not at home it's not on the street anyway. There's a big difference between talking the talk and walking the walk, right? And so as we look at what God's word lays out for us, this call of being surrendered, what, this idea about what that surrender looks like, he's been talking about it for several chapters, and he's been laying out this idea of just walking in love and being patient with one another and finding ourselves living out meekness and gentleness and, and letting the old man die, right, and the new man, the new creation we have in Christ Jesus, be our motivating force moving forward. But here's the reality. Our surrender affects our roles in life. And when you think about the household code, husbands, wives, children, parents, masters, slaves, that was the household code. code. Sometimes the husband uh, was also the father, was also the master. Sometimes the husband was also the father, was also the slave. 
sometimes it, the, those rules worked in a variety of ways. But the, the point of it all is that when we're surrendered to Christ, there's, a, um, there's an attitude in the Spirit of God that ought to control all of us. Not just peace. It ought to control all of us, not just a day a week. You know what I mean? Ought to be something that permeates our day to day. Like tomorrow morning when, when we get up and our day starts and we all have jobs and roles that we'll go to to, to perform. When, as, when or as we're performing those jobs or roles, as we do that, are we, are we still looking like the same person that we started on Sunday morning night? And oftentimes the question for us is, which one's the real me? Now, the scripture would challenge us this way, to know myself. The Bible says, as a man thinks he is in his heart. That's how he is. And we're not always in touch with that. If there's anybody we're good at deceiving itself, right? You ever been self-deceived? I've, I, I've lived the majority of my life self-deceived. I walk by a mirror and I look at it and I go, dang. I'm like a week or two out of shape and I'd be just like I was back in the old days. <clears throat> That's self-deception, right? We're, we're, it's easy to, de- to deceive ourselves. But the, you know, we can laugh about those things, but we want to also realize that it's easy to deceive ourselves spiritually. Like somehow, uh, I'm not that person. And the challenge is not to make this a, a bummer. I don't want it to be a, a bummer or a drag. I want, I want it to be a challenge. You know, it's not about how am, am, am I a failure? Oh, I'm just a failure. No, that's pride talking. What we want is change. And Jesus said that if I've begun a good work in you, I will finish it. But we need to be surrendered you ever try to to finish a work in somebody who's not surrendered you ever try to teach one of your kids how to do something with they're not surrendered yeah go ahead so what i mean is if somebody is not surrendered let me let me think of a good example uh or not coachable so when i got yeah babe Okay, so finishing the work is this idea. Finishing the work means that when I came to Jesus Christ and I put my life in his hands, he saved me, but I'm still not a great person. So now he has, that's day one of him beginning to change me. And then from that point until the day I see him face to face, he is promising to continue to work in my life, making me better day by day. Yes. Yeah. So we're finishing the work. And, and then the idea, too, what, we're, what I'm trying to lay out is if someone's not surrendered, for example, I'm trying to teach someone to do something. I'm trying to, maybe you're trying to teach somebody to fish. <clears throat> but they already know how to fish and they're not listening. So how successful is your teaching them to fish? And sometimes that's how we come 
in our relationship to the Lord. What do I mean? We, we come to the Lord and we, we think we know how to fix ourselves better. So I'm going to fix myself and I'll, thanks Lord, but I'm not surrendered. I'm not surrendering to his work. Now here's the beauty. God is eternally patient. He'll take all the time we need, right? All the time we need. And, and that's great. And that's awesome. But I want to be self-reflective. I want to look and say, am I allowing God to have the greatest effect in my life? Or am I fighting against what the Lord's trying to do? And so that then was birthed, from that is birthed, from Paul and from Peter, this idea of the household code. So the household code is how, how, should, how do we live at home? How does this look? How do these things come together? So in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18, he, he starts household code, always started with the wife, says, wife, uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. doesn't say wives, submit to men, by the way. just says wives, submit to your husbands. In the familial relationship, the wife needs to be willing to get behind the shield of her husband. So when it says, wives be subject, the, the roles, God's going to talk to men in a moment, but the role of man is protector provider. Protector provider. I just want you to get a picture in your mind, okay, that, that you try to plug your other things that you're, that you're dealing with into. And as we try to plug these things in, what we want to do is focus on this idea. Look, I want to be uh, uh, the husband wants to be protector provider, but it's hard to be a protector and a provider if somebody won't let you be the protector or, or provider, right? So, so if we think of it in, in olden days when we had wars and battle, we put on a shield, okay? And, and we go to battle and, and men would stand next to each other, make a shield wall, right? And that shield wall, they would be, um, so tight together that someone couldn't come between. Now, just like in football today, the way that the way that you break a shield wall is you penetrate it, and if you penetrate it, then you get behind it, and then the the defense falls apart. So, in the family, you have the the husband as the shield wall, and the wife the the second row of the phalanx had just as much responsibility as the front row, but the front row's job was to keep you safe. But if that guy in the back, the second row guy, he's the guy with the spear, right? And he's, the shield wall stops the force and then the spear comes over the top and gigs the guy trying to get in. Everybody tracking with me? But if all of a sudden that guy does what the movies do, you guys ever watch movies? You know how stupid movies are? As soon as you come out of the shield wall and you run around doing all these flips like ninja, somebody whacks you with a big old club and it's over. So if you come out, right, so if you think of it, wives, if you think of it as, if I come out from behind the shield wall and I start doing my own thing, you can't protect me no more. And God says, I've charged your husband to be your protector. And one day, husbands will stand before the Lord and give an account. And we ought to, if we're surrendered to Christ, be willing to say, I'll stay behind the shield. I'll stay behind the shield and, and we function together that way. 
we work together. Protector and source uh, behind, working together, one piece. The phalanx was one piece. So wives, submit yourselves to the Lord. Be subject is a military term. Get behind his shield. Why? Because it's fitting to the Lord. It's what the Lord wants in your life. Now, when we go all the way back to the fall, you guys remember the fall, Adam and Eve, right? The Bible tells us that they stand before the Lord and God gives out his judgment. Adam's going to work the soil by the sweat of his brow from now on because, because he wasn't the shield. And, and Eve, he says to Eve, Eve, your desire is going to be to rule over your husband. But he will rule you. What was the point of it? The point that God had for Adam and Eve in the beginning part of the fall was Adam, be your wife's shield, protect her. When we read the story of the fall, it says Eve was standing before the serpent, right? It's hard to mess with our noodles when we read that, but the, the word serpent means shining one, probably is an angel. But nonetheless, the, the deceiver comes to Eve and brings his deception, and Eve falls for the deception. And the Bible says very clearly, Eve was deceived, Adam transgressed. You know the difference? Eve was fooled, Adam was not. But Adam didn't protect so God's judgment to Adam and Eve. Adam, you, you need to stop and start working. You need to recognize to be a shield. Every household code we're going to see is going to charge man to be a shield. And every household code we read is going to charge a wife to let him, let him protect you. Adam wasn't fooled. Eve was. It's not, it's not some moral judgment on somebody's failure. It's just what happened. Now we see that the Bible lays out for us. This is fitting in the Lord. This is how God intended it to be. When we allow our, <clears throat> when we have, you know, when we're single, hey, we're, we are our best ad- advocate. But when we get married, the Bible says we've bound two together in the Holy Spirit, right? Three-strand cord is not easily broken. We're united in Christ. We're together. We're a team. Sometimes we don't function like that. When we're a family, we're supposed to be a family. Family's supposed to be tight. My family, the one I grew up in and probably the one I led, uh, are dysfunctional. Because we're still people. But we're charged... We're charged in our surrender to Christ. Wives, to allow yourself to get behind your husband's protection. Get behind the shield. Be the second line of the attack, not the front line. And it's interesting because when we think about this, Paul also writes 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I love what it says in the... The way it says in the New King James keeps it from being uncomfortable for children who are, are here. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 says, The husband should give to his wife the affection due her. And likewise, the wife to her husband. 
And I really like how that's stated. Now, they're, they're talking not simply about uh, um, temporal things. The idea is, is physical as much as it is spiritual. But the sense is there's an affection due the wife and there's an affection due the husband. And the affection due the husband can be associated to being behind the shield. You know how empowering it is as a man to be able to protect your wife? It's empowering. It's a, it's a good thing. Render unto your husband the affection due him. Husbands, render to your wives the affection due her. Verse 19 says, Husbands, <clears throat> love your wives, don't be harsh. So, the husband, the role of a husband is not a foreman. Is yes. <laughs> you better get the recording. The role of the husband is not a foreman. the The role of a husband is that of the 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 sacrificer. For his wife. That's what the the word means. Husbands love your wives. Literally when we come to it. Husbands love your wives. That word love is agapeo. Right? Some of you may be familiar. Agape is commonly called the love of God. One of the great ways to define the love of God. Is a love that sacrifices self. For others. What is it that Jesus did for us? He sacrificed himself for us. Right? So the Bible would say, husbands, love your wives. In Ephesians, how does it say it? As Christ did what? As Christ loved the church. That he gave himself for it, right? He sacrifices self. So the husband's role is to sacrifice his self for his wife. To give her the affection due her. We want to sacrifice ourselves. And here's the challenge to that. And this is why Paul puts this second half on this verse. Love your wives and then don't be embittered toward them. Because when you sacrifice yourself for somebody, it's easy to get bitter, harsh, irritated. Anybody ever had a husband who was irritable? Nobody? Gee, guys. See, you're all good to each other when you sit next to each other. <clears throat> so the point is that it, it men, sometimes as we, part of, the, part of the, the role that God has for us is that a man would sacrifice himself. And that's what men do, right? That's the, that's the reason we go to work. You know, prayerfully you have a job you love. Praise God for it. But we, we work to sacrifice self so that our family can have the things we want them to have. Food, clothing, warmth, right? But also, in that sacrifice that Christ gave, He also gave us love, love, right? Don't, don't keep that out. Sometimes as men, we can get so focused on the sacrifice that we forget that God so loved the world that He gave. That the reason behind the sacrifice of God was His love for us. As a effort to love us or provide love for us or care for us. Nurturing for the family. Spiritual leadership for the family. All that's part of it, right? When you think about 
What is it that Jesus sacrificed for me? Well, he's, physically he sacrificed, right? He taught spiritually, right? Didn't he teach the word three years walking with the disciples? He taught them the things of God. Yeah? Didn't he care for them? <clears throat> he, he, he cared about them. He was their provision. He was their protection. He was their covering. That becomes the role. The role of husband, and we'll see in a moment, role of father or parent, is the same. It's to stand in that gap, to fill that gap, to make sure that that, uh, those needs are met. How how do I judge this? Is this this just something I'm trying to, to dump on you? No, it's not something I'm trying to dump on you. I'm just trying to tell you, if you're surrendered to Christ, this is what you want to do. This is what surrendering to Christ is like. Commitment, you might say, I don't feel so committed today. Surrender, you're either surrendered or you're not. Right? If you're surrendered, then it's, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. What are you you calling me to? What are you you challenging me? So we don't want to have bitterness when those things are happening. And sometimes that can be our problem. Listen to what the Bible says, what the Word says about bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. What happens in a family if the husband becomes bitter? Bitterness spreads, doesn't it? If he becomes bitter, then she becomes bitter, then they become bitter, and pretty soon you just got a bunch of bitters. Nobody likes a bunch of bitter root. We want to stay away from that. Ephesians 4.31 tells us this. When we talk about the, this, this reality of how we are, how are we walking and being with the Lord, <clears throat> Ephesians 4 tells us, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you. Well, all malice. Now, you and I, we can say, try, I'm really trying to do that. Or we can say, I surrendered. You get the difference? Surrender is the guy on his knees before the Lord saying, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Empower me. Make me. You started a work. Continue the work. Help me be what you're asking me to be. Or commitment might say, I keep trying and failing. I keep trying and failing. You get the cycle is no good. Stop trying and failing. Drop on your knees before God. Tell him you need help and let the Holy Spirit move in your life. That's how you become the man or woman or child or whatever that you want to be. It's through surrender. It's through allowing God to do a work. There was a guy, Acts chapter 8, there was a fellow named Simon. Simon was watching the miracles of, of Paul. And as he's watching the miracles of, of that, he, he says, you know... Uh, I think it's Peter, actually. As, as he's watching the miracles, he says, Hey, I want to buy that. Can I buy that? That's really cool. The Holy Spirit comes upon him, and God uses him. And Simon says, I, I want to buy that. And Peter has a unique response to him. He says in verse 22, uh, in response to that question, he says, Repent, therefore, of the wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see 
that you are in the gall of bitterness. So the guy's saying, I, w- I would like to buy that. I'd like to buy that. And, and the, the point is, it's, it's becoming a, a, a self-effort, like as though I could buy holiness, right? And once upon a time, the church raised a lot of money selling holiness. Did you guys know that? Yeah, it was a great fundraiser. Can you imagine how good a fundraiser would be? Kathy's what you should be selling today at the, at the chili cook-off. Hey, for, you, can buy, you can buy holiness. Everybody give me 20 bucks, you get holiness. Poof, you got holiness. But what did you really leave with? Nothing, right? So the same way, but why were people looking? Why did people buy it? Why did they buy indulgences? Because they wanted to be able to live in their sin and not change. And the Bible says that this guy, Simon, he doesn't want his life to change. He just like to buy that power. Give me that power. I'd like that power. Maybe I can make money with that power. Maybe I could, could get people to follow me if I had that power. And Peter says to him, you, you got bitterness, man. You need to lay your bitterness down. You need to lay the gall of bitterness. You need to lay down malice. You need to lay down slander. Slander is when we lie about people. Malice is when we hope bad things happen to people. He's calling us to lay these things down. He's saying, stay away from bitterness, husbands. Don't get bitter. It's not about how much can you, how much effort can you put in. It's about will you lay down your pride and surrender and say to God, help me. Once there was a father who could do that. Once a father brought his, ch- his child before the Lord. And he said, Lord, can you heal my child? And the Lord says, yeah, I can heal him if you believe. And he said what everybody would say. I believe. And then he told the truth. Help my unbelief. See, knowing who you are helps you to be able to ask the Lord for what you need. Do you understand? If I, if I say I'm good, I'm good. This is how we greet one another all the time, right? Hey, how are you? And then we say, I'm good. Whether the whole world has collapsed on our head or not. And we get so used to, because it's just a greeting, it doesn't really have any meaning, but we get so used to responding that way. So then when, when somebody sincerely comes to you and says, no, really, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How many times do we lie like that to God? I'm good. Everything's good. And God just wants the real. And the real is the guy who was on his knees beating his breast saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Help me. Help me. Surrender. Not not my willpower, God's. It's tapping into the, the, the power that never ceases, right? To be connected to the power that never stops. Setting aside my bitterness. Husbands, love your wives. Sacrifice yourself for them. Give yourself to them. Protect them. Provide for them. But don't be bitter about it. Don't get bitter about, I keep trying. I, I wish I had a nickel for every time I said these words to my wife. No matter what I do, you're never happy. No matter what I do, I keep trying this, and I keep trying this, and I keep trying this. And God said, nowhere, God's like Yoda. It is 
Try, not try. Do. Not try, do. Well, I don't understand. I got to try to do. No, you don't. You got to stop trying. And you need to surrender. God, make me the man you want me to be. I surrender. We don't want our prayers hindered, men. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as to the weaker vessel. That usually bugs people. <laughs> Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So I want you to understand what that means. Weaker vessels. That's not a derogatory term. It's actually a term of finery. Um, your, your wife is the finer vessel. Like Tupperware versus China. I can take Tupperware, run over it with a car, kick it, throw it, beat it. Tupperware just takes a lick it and keeps on ticking, right? But can you do that with China? No, oh, boom, crash, pieces everywhere. I remember one time we had some folks over visiting us. I inherited from my mom, what's it called? Noritake, China. Noritake, China from Japan. And it has real silver in it, and it's really fine. You can see through it. So apparently that's important with China. So you can see through it. So, so we had this China, and it was <laughs> we never used it, right? Because China is what you never use. And so we had, for some reason, we had it stored under a sink. And we had some people over visiting, and they had a, a two-year-old, and you know we're talking, and the two-year-olds wander off, and not very long, we start thinking, where'd they go? And we go into the kitchen, and they found a new game to play. It was watch the China crumble. So. I don't know how many pieces they went through in a box, but they had a nice little pile of glass they're playing in, which can't be good, right? And they're just, and laughing. And then the next kid, and they're laughing. Now, you know, me and Kathy, one of the things that God told me pretty early is stuff don't matter. So I will not ever get mad over stuff, you know, bent, broke crashed whatever it's just stuff so we laughed about it and put it away i think we gave what's left of the china to, to amber and jc so so they got it now but when the bible says honor her like the weaker vessel it means honor her like the finer vessel she's china you don't throw china you're careful with china you give more honor not less honor if there is uh husbands if there is a woman on earth you would treat finer then your wife, you are in error. You should repent. The Bible says, honor your wife. Not women. Honor your wife as the finer vessel. She needs to be taken care of gently, lovingly, carefully, right? Not harshly, bitterly. Angrily, which is more of the way we do it. That's usually how I do it. So we want to do it. We want to say, 
I want to be surrendered, right? I want to be surrendered and allow God to do the work that He wants to do. I want to be in the right kind of relationship, wife toward husband, husband toward wife. But not only does surrender affect those relationships, it also affects the relationships within the family. So he next goes to children. Children, obey your parents. Here's the part most of the kids don't want to hear. In everything. Oh, you're kidding me. No, no. Obey your parents in everything. Why? For this does what? Pleases the Lord. Now, let's unwrap it a little bit. Children, obey. That word obey means hearken unto. Listen to. Listen to your parents. Children, listen to your parents. Hear them. Hear their warnings. Hear their advice. Hear the things they say. Literally, it means to listen under. To listen under. To be able to be instructed. The book of Proverbs challenges us, right, to, to live lives of not like the fool who says there is no God, but to live lives like the wise. Now, what is it that separates the wise from the fool? The fool will not accept correction. The wise will. So the father says to his son in the beginning of Proverbs, Son, seek wisdom. Be wise. Accept correction. Accept correction. So, children, we, we don't ever stop being someone's child. So when it says, children, obey your parents, it means hearken unto, listen to, listen under. Sometimes we get older and we don't have time for mom and dad no more. And that's uh, okay, that's part of our culture, those things happen, but... But what God says is, no, there should always be a sense in which you're willing to listen under. Here, dad's advice. Grandpa's advice. The things that they have to offer. Now, the Bible does not uh, institute as we grow older that we're uh, to obey the things that they say, to be obedient. But I think it's a good practice to be willing to listen. That's not so hard, is it? We get annoyed sometimes because sometimes mom and dad, they say the same crazy stuff. It's all right. Here's the beauty of love. It doesn't cost you anything to listen. And there comes a day when you wish you were able to. So you might as well just practice it now. Because in our culture, we have a tendency to throw people away. And we don't want to be like that. We want to be a culture that says, no, I'm, I want to listen. Children, listen to your parents. It pleases the Lord. It honors Him. It brings honor unto Him. But it doesn't just stop there. It goes on to parents. <clears throat> Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke. The word means exacerbate, to irritate from rubbing. Continual provoking which might incite anger. I thought it was interesting because I found, uh, I found an old quote. I'll just share it with you. It says, fathers ought to behave like this to their child. A father who is always threatening does not receive much reverence. One 
ought to correct a child, not by hurting him, but by persuading him. Now, I'm not saying spare the rod, but you also need to understand that when the Bible says, don't spare the rod, you'll spoil the child, it's talking about correct your child. That was the point of the rod. It was and is and can be an important part of discipline. But the point is, if your child doesn't understand what you're correcting, you're wasting your time. You're just mad. And you're flailing your hands around, or your belt around, or your words around. And none of that is helpful. When we surrender to Christ, and we want to do things Christ's way, then we want to instruct as Christ instructs me. I want to give correction. Set down and look in their eyes. I wish I could do it all again, because I'm done. I don't got nobody to correct no more. But now that I'm 55, I would like to go back and be 25 again. Because I could change some things. I would have yelled less. I notice now, because I watch my kids being like me, and I think, oh, you yell a lot. I must have done that. I think I did. I, I could have been a hollerer in the past. And I get excited about a lot of things. It's one of the things you learn as a grandpa. I'm watching and I'm like, why, why are you guys so upset about that? I'm not upset about that. Why, why are you so upset? But I remember, I used to get upset about irrational things too, or things that weren't that important. And I think... You know, all that comes down to an unwillingness to just say, Lord, what, how do you want me to father, to parent my child? They need to know what I'm correcting, why I'm correcting it. If I don't know, maybe I need to find out, right? Sometimes it's just because, hey, you can't play on the freeway because it's not safe, Right? Just, that's just not safe. But maybe I don't have a good answer. And whenever I didn't have a good answer, I always gave the same answer. Because I said so. <laughs> and sometimes that's important. It's important for children to obey immediately just in case, right? Not to think whether or not I should do it or I shouldn't. But then there ought to be a time of instruction so that there could be understanding. When I went into the Marine Corps, they told us that we would eventually become a finely tuned machine that would flow well on a battlefield because we obeyed instantly. And I thought, man, the only thing I want to obey right now is to go home. And then I went through 13 weeks of basic and they yelled at me and screamed at me and made me do more push-ups than anybody on earth and... And we went through this whole process, and at the end, we were a finely tuned machine that would obey instantly on the battlefield. But we understood why that was important. Because the guy next to you dies, or the guy behind you, or the other people around you. Your unit didn't survive if we didn't flow together. That's a good lesson to teach your family, right? Because there's lots of enemies out there. They shouldn't be the ones under 
our own roof. So that we can train up, teach our children the way that they ought to walk. That they would not lose heart. We don't want them to be discouraged. We want them to be trained up, right? So train them up. And if if I don't have the answer, I can go get it. I can chew on it a little bit. Here's the one thing I can tell you. A 55-year-old guy who's, who, who did most of it wrong coming up. I could have took more time and got my act together better when I was correcting. You ever just go off of the cuff? Sometimes off the cuff works out okay. Sometimes I spend more time fixing off the cuff. Would have been better if I just slow down a minute and take a second to think about why I'm so angry, what I'm so upset about, and what lesson I want learned. Right? Now, how can I do that? Just by willpower? No. How do I do that? The same way I become a better husband or the same way I become the wife God wants me to be or the child God wants me to be? I hit my knees before the Lord and I say, God, I surrender. Make me what you want me to be. Make me the man, the husband, the father that you want me to be. Now, surrender also affects other roles in our life, right? For them, everybody was either slave or master. Most, there were, most people didn't have a job. For example, a doctor today is a prestigious job. In that day, a doctor was a slave of a family. So when we talk about the relationship between slaves and masters, a lot of time it's easier to translate to like uh, employees and employers. The people you work for and the people who own the company. How is this relationship supposed to work? How does this work when I'm surrendered to Christ? What does it look like? He says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly master. Obey everything they tell you to do. Be a good slave. They treat me like a slave. Well, just so you know, the Bible calls what you do a slave. If you don't own the company, you're a slave. So just get over the whole thing and you'll be okay. Right? The difference is I'm a slave. I don't get whipped. I get paid. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so when the Bible talks about it, I want to be, I want to be a good employee. So in those days, anybody who had a job was somebody's slave. So today, it's the same. Anybody who has a job is somebody's slave. We're working for somebody else. And as we work for somebody else, we want to do what we do, not just eye service. In other words, don't be a good employee just when they're looking. Be a good employee out of the sincerity of your heart. Why? Because you fear the Lord. Because you love God. Because you want to be an example. And this is what God is saying. God is saying, hey, when you work for somebody else, I want you to be a great employee. Be, do whatever they ask you to do. Do what they're telling you to do. Be, be the, the kind of employee that God would have you to be. He's saying, I want you to do it with sincerity of heart. The sincerity of heart means straight out of the, the desire of my heart to honor, to please, to, uh, to be good. Now today, we have this thing where, where we think if you're that kind of employee, they've got bad names for you. Right? You, you guys don't know any of those. 
But the reality is that's the kind of employee that, that, that's the kind of slave God's asking you to be. Now, how do I do that? How do I be that? I want to recognize the authority of those over me. I want to recognize the need for submission and do what they're asking me to do. But I don't want to do it out of wrong motives. I want to do it because it's out of the sincerity of my heart. And sometimes it's hard for it to come out of the sincerity of my heart. Should I just try harder? Or should I fall on my knees and surrender? Hey, Lord, I need you to make me the slave you want me to be. I need you to make me the, the, the employee you want me to be. And the Lord says, look, when you do this, in verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily like you're working for who? Like you're working for the Lord and not for men. So when I do, and I think this can go across the board, everything we've looked at, Wives, do everything you do heartily unto the Lord. For God will reward you openly. Husbands, do it heartily as unto the Lord. God will reward you openly. Children, do it heartily unto the Lord. The Lord is going to remember. God will honor you. Fathers, uh, um, mothers, parents, do it heartily as unto the Lord. The Lord will reward you. It's not about what you do in the sight of men. It's about what you do in the sight of God. Well, how do I accomplish that? I want to do everything I do heartily as unto the Lord. Look what it says in verse 24. Because you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. For you are serving Christ. Husband, you are serving Christ. Wife, you are serving Christ. Child, you are serving Christ. Parent, you are serving Christ. Slave, you are serving Christ. Master, you are serving Christ. It ought to touch, this relationship with God ought to touch every aspect of our life. It touches it all. It makes us more like Him Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So it's not just the upside. Hey, you are doing it for Christ, or you are not doing it for Christ, and you will give an account either way. We answer to him. Hey, did you know, the Lord will say to me, the kind of husband I wanted you to be? Yes, Lord. Were you the husband I want you to be? I get to give an answer. I hope the answer is, Yes, Lord, I surrendered all. All to you, I surrender. I want to be whatever you want me to be. And I need you to do it, right? He does the work in me. My job is surrender. 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 He says in chapter 4 verse 1, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing you also have a master. Every relationship he talks about. Master, the guy who runs the the job, the guy who's in charge, the, the owner of the slave. He says, look, 
You be a good master because you also have a master. Why does he say that? Because we will stand before him one day. And the thing is, did my relationship with Jesus Christ touch all relationships in my life? Or was it just my lips? Am I, am I really what I say I am? Am I being who I say I'm supposed to be? <clears throat> it, are they changing the relationship in my life? If, I, if I'm a master, am I fair and just? Am I surrendered to the Lord so that I can be fair and just to those for whom I work? Leviticus 19.15 says this, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. God never says don't judge. He just says judge rightly. Our problem is we don't do that very well. How can we do it better? Surrender. Judgment is not according to what you think or your opinion. Judgment is according to God's. Who's the ultimate authority? You? Me? The ultimate authority is the Lord. We want to obey Him. Ephesians 6, 9 says this, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that He who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And He shows no partiality. So God doesn't care that you're the master and they're the slave you're still accountable. God doesn't care if you're the husband or you're the wife. You're still accountable. No partiality. God doesn't care if you're the child or the parent. There's no partiality. What he wants to know is, does your surrender, your life given to me, does that life that you surrendered to me, does it really touch the way you live? Is it horizontal and vertical? Right? Do I have this relationship right, correctly going up and down? Because if I do, it will affect the relationship I've got going side to side. If Christ is my Lord, it will affect the husband I am, father I am, worker I am, employee or employer. It will affect every aspect of my life. So the key, in my opinion then, is that we learn to surrender. We all fall short. Scripture is very clear. We all struggle. That's not an excuse to continue struggling. We all sin. That's not an excuse to continue sinning. It means we need help. It is a reason to call upon the name of the Lord. Right? And if we call out on the name of the Lord, what's he promised to do? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The best human being I will ever be is the one that is most surrendered to Christ. And then I will be who God made me to be. The challenge is, will I just make another excuse 
or will I surrender? Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we could spend studying your word, opening your word, chewing on it. Father, I pray, God, that we have an understanding, Lord, that we're growing in our understanding of what it is that God is doing, how God is moving, what it is that, that God is challenging us to. He said in, in Colossians, man, Jesus is the one thing you need. He's everything. He's all God <clears throat> wrapped up in the flesh. If we just focus on Him, if we just come to Him, if we just make Him Lord of our lives, if we just allow Him to be the authority that speaks into our life, and then listen, today He said, then you will be the wife you want to be. And the husband you want to be, and the father you want to be, and the child you want to be, the slave or the master practically if Jesus Christ is chief allow him by the spirit to transform you don't be like the world be like him and the way that that is accomplished is when I hit my knees and I say, Lord, have mercy on me. I mess up today. I wasn't the man I need to be, the father I need to be, the child I need to be. <clears throat> I failed. Then the Lord offers us his forgiveness and he gives us a new day. And he gives us his spirit. And he begins to work upon our heart from the inside out. And one day I notice I'm not as angry as I used to be. And I realize I'm not that person because I am more surrendered now. So God, I just pray that we, your people, Lord, would come to you humbly. And surrender. That we would seek the empowerment of your spirit, God. That you would change us from the inside out. You are our healer. You are our power. You are our love one for another. You are our ability to forgive. You are everything we need. So God, may we surrender all and seek all from you. And then realize that God has given us so much more than we could ever imagine. Help us experience these things, Lord, as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lord, we just praise you. And we just, uh, Lord, thank you for your goodness, Lord, and for your kindness. And God, we just pray that as we leave here and, and try to fulfill these uh, different roles in our life, Lord, as the, uh, as the husband, as the wife, as the master, as the slave, Lord, as the child, God, that we would just be able to, uh, like the song says, cast our minds to, to Calvary and cast our minds upon you, God, and just uh, fulfill who we are in you first, God, and just let our relationship with you be first. And, and everything after that will just come, God, the peace and, and the patience, Lord, and the guidance, Lord everything that we find in you, God. We just pray that you would be our strength, Lord, that you would just be our, our patience, Lord, that you would just be, uh, Lord, everything that we are, God, that we would find ourselves in you. Father God, we give you this morning, Lord, we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.